Namaste. This is my pot hook number 13, titled The Pink Elephant and the Power of Focus. What a photographer who wishes to shoot a picture usually does include aiming the camera at the subject, turning the dial to adjust the focus, confirming if the light available is sufficient for the exposure, holding the camera steady, and finally, shooting. A gunman or an archer also does something similar to what the photographer does, except that when he shoots, a projectile is fired out of his weapon, unlike what happens in the camera. The Mahabharata, of which the chapters 23 through 40 of the Bhishma Bhava form the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, is a metaphor for a spiritual battle against one's own ego. It can be called an externalization in the form of a battle of perennial inner conflicts. The analogy of war between an army of good people on one side and evil ones on the other called for the usage of terms such as shooting, fighting and vanquishing enemies. Such analogy and the story as a whole greatly help seekers in being able to relate themselves better with the different characters and situations in the story. The way perception works is that it primarily collects through the sense organs all kinds of data in the form of sight, sound, smell, taste or touch. This data is processed by the mind employing the physical organ called the brain. The mind, which the Atman carries along with it from Janma to Janma, as explained in Shloka 15.08 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, is influenced by the guna's attitude or nature of an individual that it belongs to. The three gunas, namely the Sattva, Rajas and Tamas gunas, and their varying proportions or strengths, determine the actions performed by a person. A person with a high level of sattva for example, would be greatly moved by the sufferings of downtrodden people or of innocent voiceless animals, whereas one with a high level of tamoguna might not think twice before hurting someone or causing severe damage to life and property. A person with high levels of the rajaguna could be immensely ambitious and would not hesitate to go to any extent in order to achieve their goals. Karma Yoga, as taught by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, can be defined as performing one's ordained or prescribed duty to the best of their ability without being attached to its result, but with perfection and social responsibility as guiding factors. Shloka 3.25 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita Saktaha karmanya vidvamso yatha kurvanti bharata Kuryad vidvamstata saktashtikishur loka sangraham Just as ignorant people perform actions with attachment to the results, learned people perform work but with no attachments. Their desire, if at all, is only the welfare of the world. Prescribed or ordained action is known as karma, and performing one's karma without any attachment to its results, but as a sacrifice unto the Supreme Being, is called yajna. Shloka 8 of the third chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita 
नियतम कुरु कर्मत्वम कर्म ज्यायो ह्य कर्मणः शरीर यात्रा पिचते न प्रसिद्धेद कर्मणः do the duties prescribed for you because action is better than inaction even the maintenance of the body cannot be done without doing work shloka 319 tasmad saktah satatam karyam karma samachara asakto hyacharan karma paramatnoti purushah therefore after giving up attachment always perform your work as your duty the one performing duty without attachment to the fruit of the work will certainly attain the supreme goal shloka 320 karmanai vai samsiddhi mastitha janakadaya loka sangraha mevapi sampashyan kartum arhasi even janaka and other kings attained perfection through action your actions should be for the benefit of the world shloka 927 फोकस But what does maintaining focus mean? What is it that needs to be focused, and how and why should it be done? Before we discuss the topic of developing focus, it would be useful to take a look at the five factors that cause action, as stated in Shloka 1814 of the Shuddha Bhagavad Gita. They are the body, which is the seat of action. the ego which claims to be the doer the mind and the various senses the different functions performed by the being and the superconsciousness which is the presiding divinity within considering the analogy of a camera that has a body a viewfinder a camera lens a camera lens dial a camera lens aperture an adjustment mechanism of the lens aperture and of course the camera shutter and of which the camera lens dial is turned to focus on the subject and sharpen its image it is the mind which is the flow of thoughts that needs to be focused on a single thought controlling the mind is the greatest hurdle in the field of spirituality and it is its mastery that leads people towards realizing their inner self which in turn helps them reach into higher realms and discover their own innate intuitive abilities that have been masked all along by ignorance the mind can be called the most disobedient yet highly efficient and unbelievably creative slave that one can ever possess the most common problem of the mind that people face is that the mind invariably convinces almost everyone that they are the mind when the truth is that a person is fundamentally the self that carries along with it the mind and the senses this great trick that the mind performs on people keeps them under its spell for almost their whole life until realization happens either accidentally by being taught by someone or as a result of acts of seeking the truth 
In my experience, I have found that visualizing the mind to be a camera or a piece of archery equipment, if you would like, can help in pointing it towards one particular point with the intention of achieving perfection. Just like a photographer, an archer or a marksman aims to achieve a perfect shot, a person who is directing their mind to a particular point too can achieve total concentration and the desired result. Visualizing the mind that has a physical object that has a camera lens attached to it greatly helps and makes it easier in learning to focus it. As I said earlier, in the Mahabharata, which includes the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, it is the analogy of war that has been employed to relate to the internal conflicts that everyone experiences and therefore we use the analogy of archery to discuss aiming and focusing. A well-known story from the Mahabharata is about an archery competition that the teacher Dronacharya had once organized. He wanted to test his pupils to find out how well they had learned and developed their skill. He asked his pupils, one by one, to raise the bow and take aim at the toy bird that was placed on the treetop. As soon as each pupil had raised the bow and pointed it towards the toy bird, the teacher would ask the pupil to describe to him all that they saw. Every one of his pupils, including Yudhishthira and Duryodhana, said that they could see the tree, the leaves on the tree, the fruits on the tree, the sky, and also the clouds in the sky. Some even said that they could see the teacher as well as the others who participated in the competition. Even before they could shoot, Dronacharya asked his pupils to put the bow back on its stand and give way to the next participant. Finally, it was the turn of Arjuna. Dronacharya asked him to describe all that he saw. Arjuna, the ace archer, said that all he could see was the right eye of the toy bird. Dronacharya asked him if he could see anything or anyone else. Arjuna replied in the negative. Dronacharya commanded Arjuna to shoot. Arjuna's arrow pierced the right eye of the toy bird and the teacher announced him to be the winner of the competition. When the mind and the senses are not distracted and when one's thoughts like the eye and the arrow of Arjuna are directed on one point, there is total concentration. Doing so focuses all the energy of a person onto one single point and this usually results in a bullseye. Focus is necessary for succeeding in worldly activities and also in spiritual pursuits. Krishna says in Shloka 2.41 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita Vyavasayatnaka buddhirekeha kurunandana bahu shakha yanantascha buddhayo vyavasayinam In this path, O Arjuna, there is a single point of focus and determination. The thoughts of the undecided are branched and are infinite. It is quite common that people complain about their difficulties in concentration or in the total lack of it. In order to resolve this problem, one needs to comprehend that the lack of concentration basically means thinking of things other than the thing that the person is trying to focus upon. This is quite normal because it is a natural quality of the mind to do exactly what it is told not to do. There is a phenomenon known as the ironic process theory 
according to which the more one tries to suppress a thought, the more strongly will it surface in the mind. The famous pink elephant experiment in which a person is asked to take the next 30 seconds and think about anything other than a pink elephant proves that consciously trying to avoid thinking of something is not an easy task at all. Different meditation techniques, which include regulated breathing and other practices, help in diverting the mind from an unwanted thought or other intrusive thoughts to a point decided upon by the seeker simply by giving their mind something to do. The spiritual practice of chanting holy names or reciting mantras with total devotion aid in training the mind to be less unruly and more focused. Aristotle is believed to have said, no great mind has ever existed without a touch of madness. It is completely normal to have strange or even insane thoughts, but sanity and intelligence help a person master their own mind by controlling their thoughts and utilizing its immense potential to achieve goals in life. The following are a few steps that can help in improving focus and concentration. Number one, breathing. Count while slowly inhaling, holding the breath and exhaling. All the three should be of equal durations of time. Counting forces the mind to block other thoughts and to concentrate on the counting. Number two, visualize the mind to be a camera and imagine viewing through its viewfinder a particular situation or even yourself in a situation which you would like to find yourself in. Imagine turning the dial left and right to focus on the image and arrive at a sharp and crisp image. Now record this image in your memory. Imagine that you are going through the process of taking aim again and make sure that you see the same image you stored in your memory. Number three. Also, work on improving your observation as well as your memory skills. Go into a room, look around at the different objects in the room, and then come out of the room. Now take a sheet of paper and write down all that you remember to have seen in the room. Number four. There are plenty of games available on the internet that help in developing observation and focus. However, the most important step is to realize that the mind is separate from the self and to know for sure that the mind is an awesome tool which, when mastered, produces the best of results. Considering the chariot analogy used in the Katopanishad can also help in achieving mind control. The chariot is the body, the horses represent the senses, the reins represent the mind, the charioteer is the intelligence, and the self is the master of the chariot. Therefore, the mind, in this case, performs the work of the reins that control the horses that naturally tend to pull the chariot in different directions. Krishna says in the seventh shloka of the sixth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, The one who has conquered the mind has already reached superconsciousness. Such a person has crossed all dualities such as cold and heat, pleasure and pain, honor and dishonor, and is always balanced, peaceful and steadfast in devotion. Shloka 626 Yato yato nishcharati manas chanchalamas thiram 
tatastato niyam ye tadatman ye vavasham nayet. Wherever and whenever the mind wanders restlessly because of its unsteady quality, it should be restrained and brought back under the control of the self. Shloka 633 Arjuna Vacha Yoyam Yogastvaya Proktaha Samyena Madhusudana Etasyaham Napashyami Chanchalatvat Stitim Stiram Arjuna said, This yoga of equanimity taught by you, O Krishna, I do not see its steady continuance because of restlessness of the mind. Shloka 6.34 Chanchalam Himanaha Krishna Pramati Balavantrudam Tasyaham Nigraham Manni Vayoriva Sudushkaram the mind is certainly restless, turbulent, strong and unyielding, O Krishna. I think it is extremely difficult to control it, just as the wind is. Shloka 6.35 Shri Bhagavan Vacha Asamshayam Mahabaho Manodur Nigraham Chalam Abhyasena Tukaunteya Vairagyena Jagrahyate The Blessed Lord said, Undoubtedly, O mighty armed Arjuna, the mind is difficult to control and restless, but it can be restrained through practice and dispassion. Alexander Graham Bell said, Concentrate all your thoughts upon the work at hand. The sun's rays do not burn until brought to a focus. If I had an hour to solve the problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and 5 minutes thinking about solutions, said Albert Einstein. Mark Twain stressed the importance of focus, saying, you can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. Learn to use the most amazing tool called the mind, which can travel at an unimaginable speed, which is much higher than the speed of light, creates even the most impossible of images within it, and when focused upon and used well, can create ways to realize dreams that are otherwise next to impossible. Shloka 6 of Chapter 6 of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita Bandhuratmat manastasya yenatmai vatmanajitaha anatmanastu shatrutve vartetatmai vashatruvat The mind is the greatest friend of the one who has conquered it. But for the one who has not done so, it is the greatest enemy. The universe is but an extension of the conscious mind. Everything exists only until the conscious mind exists. For the one who has harnessed his or her mind and knows how to use it, the only possible limit can be the endless sky. Have a great life ahead. Watch love and affection. Jai Shri Krishna.